0: Hello and welcome to the Sage Advice Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. It is Ariel Aquinas. Hi. Hello. Thank you so, so much for coming and being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so
1: much for having me. It's so good to see your face again.
0: (laughs) Yay. so why don't we start by you can describe a little bit like what you've done with regards to the sex industry and sex work
1: uh i started out just like a regular model but i knew that i wanted to be a fetish model i knew i had wanted to be like an all porn model because back you know when i was coming up That was kind of like what was really in at that time is the, you know, alt girl websites. And that was the first time I'd ever seen women who looked like me being portrayed as sexy and beautiful. Because when I was growing up in the, you know, early 90s, early 2000s, it was still kind of the the regular Pam Anderson, Pam Anderson, Jenny Jamison, that skinny big boobs body type blonde, which is so funny because now I'm blonde with big boobs. But, <laughs> but <laughs> never I did, saw
0: that coming, huh? <laughs> I did not see that
1: coming, but at the time I was a weird goth kid. And so to see weird goths, you know, being sexy and beautiful, and the fact that people were paying to see them just really like changed my entire perception of myself. So I started out doing that. Uh, I think the first website I was on was bellavendetta.com, which was like one of those self-submit websites and it was all kind of fetish content and I'm still friends with her to this day, you know, but that site's long gone. Um, And then I'd moved on to doing like little fetish videos and I was a professional dominatrix for many years. And then I started working for a spanking website because at the time I had this really huge ass and huge, huge asses on white girls were like not even a thing yet. So, yeah. the, you know, the spanking websites, you know, really wanted me. And then I started doing cosplay and parody porn. And that's where, you know, it really kind of took off. And I got into mainstream porn from there.
0: And what are you doing now? I mean, are you still participating in mainstream porn at all? Or do you have your own things going on? Like what's your status kind of?
1: So right now my status is semi-retired. I haven't done any partnered scenes in I think almost two years. I don't even shoot a lot. Like I just don't like being on video right now. So I do a lot of sexting. I do um, dancing for like private bachelor parties here in Vegas but I'm not doing any filming right
0: now. Yeah, like content. Right,
1: yeah, no, no content, especially with other people.
0: Yeah, so uh, still keeping your f- at least one foot in the sex work style of making money, but not really in performance.
1: Right. I, I love the industry. I didn't want to leave. Um, And I never expected, you know, to leave. It was kind of circumstances outside of my control forced me to stop (laughs) filming. And so, you know, it's learning to navigate life now, not doing the thing that I had been doing for, you know, like most of my adult life, but then, you know, also, you know, finding out what life is like outside of doing porn specifically but still being in the industry that I'm comfortable with and that I've been in for so long. So, you know, I, I definitely would probably keep a foot in the industry forever if I can, if, you know, the government and <laughs> credit card companies, you know, let us exist yeah. much longer.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> in yes, absolutely. Uh, the crusaders, uh, people crusading against the type of joy that we like to bring the world um
1: that's a great way to put it too
0: yeah <laughs> but um so yeah so you're still uh you're still doing your own stuff i mean do you have your own like uh only type thing you mentioned sex panther yeah so i have
1: OnlyFans. i have many vids still um i don't update them super super often it's more uh, you know, I'm using it as like an archive of all of my old stuff. You know, I've still got hundreds and hundreds of old photos and videos up and a way for fans to talk to me and contact me and buy, you know, I'll send out care packages and stuff. I'm sending out like Christmas care packages, you know, right now to fans. And so that's a way, you know, for them to contact me because my, my DMs, just like most people, my DMs are closed everywhere because if they weren't it would just be, I'd be answering messages all day long and I'd never get anything yeah. else done. Because I did that for yeah. years. I did that for years and I finally had to be like, okay, I can't, you know, I can't handle the mental labor of answering messages 24 hours a day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much impossible. It's it's always surprising to me. <laughs> like on my OnlyFans, you know, I'll maybe message someone once and then I'm like, oh, I got to go like live my life for a couple days and then come back to OnlyFans and there's like, question mark two question marks (laughs) what happened baby question mark another question mark oh are you mad at me did i say something wrong just like oh and it'll be like four (laughs) o'clock in the morning and i'm like i gotta sleep my guy (laughs) exactly i'm like no it's just that wherever you live i live in a different part of the world and like also just i i have a life too like i'd love if i was I I
1: yeah
0: like I, I would love to just be a robot for your sexual needs at every waking moment, but I am not. So, <laughs>
1: literally, that's one of my exact fetishes, but <laughs> I, it's a fantasy for a reason. You
0: know, I like to go back a little bit and let's start with how, at what point in your life did you realize, or how did you realize, like that pornography was a thing? Like, what was your introduction to that
1: so my very first introduction to pornography i I was pretty young and a friend of mine had found one of her dad's videotapes because i'm old so he, he had videotapes and it was called like sugar bitches and Ooh,
0: sugar bitches yeah
1: and it was this old like it had to be from the 70s everyone was real furry yeah and i believe it was a bisexual like male, male, female threesome video, which I think took me many years to wrap my head around because I didn't know that that was even possible, it, you know, at the, at the time I had no idea. And yeah. it's so funny because now I've had so many male, male, female buy threesomes. That's like my yeah. favorite thing in the world. And I always wonder like, is it because of sugar bitches that I love it? Yeah. But It was one of those things we thought it was going to be like a comedy movie
0: because it had a funny
1: (laughs) title and we put it on and the first thing we see it's this close up of like super hairy genitals like pounding into each other and we didn't know what it was and we just start screaming like very classic (laughs) like ah, and we turn it off (laughs) and then we kept you know like. And then she'd be like, I'm going to turn it on. I'd be like, no, don't turn it on. And then she'd turn it on and we'd be like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, you know, so it took me a long time to like, it took us a long time to figure out like what we were seeing. And then even when, you know, like they zoomed out and I saw all three of them going at it, I was like, how is the guy reaching the girl from behind that guy? You know, I just couldn't, Uh you know, figure out what I was saying. So that was my very, very first, very first, like, porno video.
0: And was it, I mean, you mentioned it's a little shocking, kind of, but was it intriguing at the same time? Like, because personally, I do think that that probably has some influence on the fact that you enjoy boy, boy, girl, threesome videos, right?
1: It was, it was scary, but yeah, it was intriguing in the fact that we could tell that this was something we were not supposed to see.
0: Right. And were you afraid of getting caught in the, in that moment? Like
1: I, I don't think we were afraid of getting caught. I think her, okay. her parents weren't home for some reason. But yeah. it was one of those things where like she would like, I remember she called I went home and she called me on the phone and she was like, There is something happening. Like it was like this girl is sucking two wieners at once. Back to see, this. and I was just like, two wieners at once. How is it possible? You know, like I just couldn't believe it. Yes. So of course, I had to walk back over to her house so I could see the two wieners at once happening because I, I just mean, couldn't imagine it.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> have to see to believe, right?
1: <laughs> okay, absolutely. And now, ever, since I have sucked two wieners myself, so I can tell you for sure it's a real thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've I've at least seen it once or twice. <laughs> so from there, like, what was your, you, I would assume or imagine that maybe you experimented at some point before you decided to get into this kind of work yourself or before you were old enough to do so. Um, yeah, well, like your, your personal exploration of your sexuality and what sort of led you to be an exhibitionist, I will say. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, so I've always been a performer. I was Yeah, tell me about that. I was always like a theater nerd. I was in all the plays. Like from elementary school on, I was in every single play. I was on the speech and drama team. I have always I always wanted to be an actor and so yeah so i always tell people i'm like technically
0: i did fulfill my childhood dream ariel hold on a second i just have to say that you are the only other person who's ever said that to me because like i say that too because when i was a kid i was just like i am gonna be a porn star when i grow up that's what i'm gonna do like seriously when i was in like middle school and i and i always say i'm like I'm like the only person I know that grew up to do exactly what I wanted to do with my life, and you're the only other person that has ever said that to me. So, Uh, no, yeah,
1: I have heard that time. Solidarity. I have heard that time and time again. But no, even when I was, you know, I think 12 or 13, and I know I'm not the only one with this exact experience. There was an episode of the original CSI. And it had a dominatrix named Lady Heather, and I remember seeing that when I was in middle school, and I was like, "Oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a dominatrix."
0: You know, yes. like
1: I, you know, because it was like the first time I was like, "Oh, that thing that's in my mind that I want to do—that's a real thing that people do." Oh, I'm going to yes. do that, and so I knew from you know middle school, I was like, "I'm going to be a dominatrix." That's what I'm going to do. Hell yes, and then. I decided to be, like, not necessarily in porn, but doing adult content when I was around 16, I Mm -hmm. think. Because, like, at the time, there was this big divide between, like, yes, I'm posting my nudes online for men to jerk off to, but it's not porn because Mm -hmm. XYZ reason, you know. And eventually, we all had to get over ourselves and be like, yeah, we're doing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like we're like, yeah, doing porn, but um, so yeah, it was so I, my first sexual exploration was pretty, you know, I guess it was pretty weird, but also pretty simple. It would just be like watching Girls Gone Wild commercials in the middle of the night, you know, and like kind of like I would just like stick anything in my vagina to see if it did something. I, you Hell know, no. like those and masks. did it? No, it did nothing. Like you know, I know, like plastic play food, a pencil, yeah. like just whatever. I was just sticking stuff in there because I didn't know how masturbation worked. And actually, Same, yeah, people find it really bizarre, but I was never able to make myself come until I was in my like late teens, like 16, 17 years old. I couldn't figure, yeah, it forever, yeah, and it was actually porn that helped me figure it out because I, well, cause number one, I also didn't know about like clit stimulation versus internal. I thought that internal yep. was just like what it was. And yeah. I even, like I had a boyfriend who had like made me come from oral, but I still couldn't figure it out myself. And then one day, Because, you know, you get, like, spam emails, like, a lot in the early 2000s, all these spam porn emails. And I was looking at one, and there was a video, and a girl stuck her hand in her panties and started kind of, like, rubbing herself. And I was like, oh, I'm getting the feeling. Like, the feeling, Mm -hmm. like, when I'm with my boyfriend, and I'm, like, going to come. Like, I'm getting that feeling. So, I I just watched that video over and over and kind of, like, rubbed myself, and it happened. And I was like, oh! And once I figured it out, I... (laughs) did not stop and and this was back in the day when like your only computer was your family computer in the living room so i yep. had to have it like timed out perfect where like i get home jerk off a few times like make sure that the screen is blank by the time my mom opens the door like yeah i would also i would jerk off to all kinds of stuff i had this like i would found this book at my grandma's house and it was like it was a textbook it was like the history of erotic like fantasy or something and, or the history of erotic literature. And so it was all these mm. dirty stories from like Victor- Victorian times. And I would try and jerk off to that.
0: Like- oh, that sounds hot. Hell yeah, <laughs> Quizilla, I love that.
1: There, there was this website, Quizilla, where you could take these quizzes, but sometimes they would like tell a dirty story I'd try and jerk off to that, like- Yeah two second clips you know of like girls eating each other out just like whatever I could get my hands on I was trying to jerk off to it I was obsessed
0: yes it sounds like we're the same age but yeah it was the same like it was the one family computer yep it was very, very slow, of course. But when the internet first came around, it was like, my parents had no fucking clue what that was all about. And oh, so yeah. it was the wild west. Back then. Yeah, it's the wild west. So I was like, they'd be in bed and they're like, okay, you have fun on the internet. We're going to bed. I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. and I, did. And I fun. did honestly,
1: thank God. And I'm actually really grateful. So this kind of leads into the next phase. So, when I was like 16, 17, I had my high school sweetheart, and he was the guy I lost my virginity to. And he was like, a, he was obsessed with porn. And he had all kinds of weird kinks, even though he was a virgin too. So, yeah. like, my first sexual experimentation was like real weird, like role play kind of stuff. And wow. Yeah,
0: really. Advanced.
1: Oh, yeah. Really, really strange role play. And then, you know, and the first thing I learned was, like, how to deep throat because he was like, well, this is how the girls, because all he knew about sex was from porn. And I, know. I remember I got really jealous because I was like, he has a girlfriend. Why does he need to look at other women? Why does he need to jerk off to porn when he's got me and I have sex with him maybe once a month? You know, why does he? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and please so, explain
0: why. And
1: so. <laughs> I find you know, I finally I got brave one day and I was like, I'm gonna look it up to see why these girls are so much better than me. And it was like suicide girls or gods girls or something. And that's mm-hmm. when I was like, oh, these girls are me. Oh yes. my god. And I had always thought I was so ugly. I had always, you know, I never thought I was like sexy. I never thought people would find me attractive. And so to see these women. You know, like I said, being portrayed as sexy and sexy enough that people want to pay for it totally changed my perception of myself. Like yes. I had no self-esteem and all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, like people might find me attractive and I might be, you know, like worthwhile, you know, and like I might yeah. be sexy and people might desire me like, you know, it never, it literally never occurred to me in my life, like ugly duckling awesome. for sure. And so I kind of decided right then I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do this because I want other people to have that moment where they see me on screen and they're like, hey, that's me, you know. Like, Uh. uh, So, you know, it was and people were when I would do interviews for years and years, people would get disappointed because they wanted a salacious like, why did you get into porn? And they wanted me to be like, because I love dicks you know because i'm so horny yeah and not you know like i want to give little girls self-esteem
0: <laughs> yeah totally totally <laughs> yeah but i mean of course I, I think that's for for a lot of us um getting into this type of work was just a revelation in a lot of ways because you know i, I think we all have insecurities all throughout our life but mm-hmm when we get into this type of work and it's like but here are all of these people reaching out to me wanting me and telling me that i'm pretty and all this other stuff and uh have like sexual value and sort of opening my eyes to that in ways that like i couldn't do on my own like you can't do it just looking in the mirror judging yourself but other people telling you like not even just telling you like oh you're so pretty but just like wanting you and showing that
1: absolutely and i mean that was really crucial for me. I mean, you know, obviously, like, I don't base my entire validation on people finding me attractive, but of course, as being I was the funny fat friend my entire life. I remember (laughs) one of my friends in middle school, uh, he was asked to pick who he would date between me and my friend. And instead of just picking, he made sure to add on that he would rather jump in front of a train than date me. Uh, Wow. You know, so it was like people had been really cruel to me, you know, like really made me feel super, super ugly my entire life. So to finally, like I I kind of needed that outside source of people being like, no, you're attractive because it was just so hard for me to believe because I had been told the exact opposite my entire existence.
0: Yeah, totally. So now so now you have this you've well. Did you, I'm just curious now about the boyfriend thing. Like, did you get beyond that feeling of getting jealous when that he would jerk off to people who were not you? Yeah, yeah.
1: Or- I, once I started jerking off to porn, I really couldn't be <laughs> mad at him about it. So, you know, we, we got chill on that. And the funny thing is, like, I am naturally polyamorous. I've always been polyamorous in my relationships literally since like I had a little boyfriend in kindergarten he had another girlfriend and we were cool with it but but it was like with my first boyfriend it was like that expectation that I should be jealous and so I was because it was also kind of a status thing where he had never dated anyone but me not because people didn't want to date him because he was like the king of the goths he was beautiful like everybody wanted him so bad and he had never been interested in anyone until he met me like, people wow. he was, yeah, you know, so, like, I felt really special. And then to find out, like, actually, he was attracted to other people, then that was kind of a hit to my ego. But right. No, yeah, we, we eventually moved past that and had a very strange relationship up until I my freshman year of college, when I literally met my husband, my high school sweetheart sat in front of me, my husband sat behind me. And, Aww. Yeah, Aww, and so cute. It just so happened like the way the numbers worked out that my husband was my study buddy for the class and i asked him if he wanted to come over and study you know come over to my dorm and study and he didn't leave for 15 years
0: so oh my god <laughs> we've literally
1: lived together since our like first date like it's it should not have worked but somehow it did wow yeah, so for most of my life i had only had two boyfriends my entire life so people also find that shocking that i'm a porn
0: star who ha- only had two boyfriends to me it's not that shocking because i have a similar scenario so <laughs> yeah i think it's weird like pe- people think like oh you probably had so many and all these types of experiences and blah 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 it's just like we're all still just individual human beings with their own stories to tell like
1: well and i love to like people would
0: ask me like how did you get so good at blowjobs you must have
1: blown a lot of guys and i'm like no i blew one guy a million times and that's yeah. How got good at
0: yeah exactly yeah and i i had that happen one time too or uh, i had a brief period of being not attached to somebody and i think i hooked up with a couple male porn stars and one of them was like, God, how can you suck dick so good when you only do girl-girl porn? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping my hidden secret talent. <laughs> You're like, it's too good. It would ruin the world. Exactly, exactly. Can't, can't unleash this on the whole world. It's not fun. <laughs> so, yeah, but you raised an interesting points about polyamory and that that is your, that's part of your sexual identity, it sounds like. Um, wh- when did you realize that that was a thing and it had a title and, um, it was a part so, of this world or an option.
1: <laughs> it, it was definitely later in life, like much later than I had been practicing it. Cause it's one of those things where I have so many experiences that I just never had language for. And exactly so that. like in high school, I pretty much exclusively dated women in high school. That's why I only had
0: the one boyfriend because I only dated women. Oh, okay. Well, this opens up a different yeah. chapter. A so, so you identify as queer somehow or bi? Yeah,
1: or I'm, I'm queer, definitely pansexual, probably. Uh, okay, great. The most accurate, but I would date women and they would have boyfriends. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously I'm a boyfriend, you know, like, <laughs> and, yes. I, and I never interacted with these men. You know, Mm -hmm. like I I maybe met them, you know, a couple times, but like we weren't in a relationship together. It was just we were just dating the same chick, and that was the extent of that relationship. And it just seemed normal to me. Like, of course a bi chick is gonna have a boyfriend and a girlfriend, like, you know, duh, that's obvious. (laughs) It just never seemed weird. And then it was, you know, after I got out of high school then that's when I learned that polyamory was a thing. And I was like, oh, that's the word for the thing that I've been doing my entire life. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess you've been with that same partner for a really long time, but there's mm-hmm. gotta be other sort of difficulties around polyamory. Um, have you had some stumbling blocks uh, along the way? Or, uh, you yeah. Know, what, I mean- what advice would you offer for people who are realizing that they probably are poly? So it's definitely easier
1: now, as all things are, with the internet and the spread of information. Um, Because at the time when I was kind of realizing it, I didn't have any examples of what polyamory would look like. Um, I, I knew no one really in my personal life who had had, you know, a successful polyamorous experience outside of swinging but right. my husband and i kind of quickly realized that swinging wasn't the thing we were looking for uh, yeah because we're both just not super into casual sex as ironic as that is for someone who has sex with people on camera right that i'm not <laughs> in a relationship with but yeah in my, in my private life i do typically like to you know be in a relationship with somebody and fuck one person consistently because that yeah. way they know what I like, you know, they know, I don't have to teach oh, yeah. somebody new every time. I, I like the consistency. Um, mm-hmm. So that did take a while of trial and error to figure out, a lot of jealousy to work through because we're all trained to be jealous. Even if we aren't naturally jealous, we're trained like we're supposed to be that way. We really. Yeah we didn't open up a relationship until after we got married. Cause once we were married, we're like, well, what are you going to do? Leave? You know, like, we're like, no, yeah. you're stuck. You know? So it gave me enough of a sense of security that I was able to open up. And that's something that I tell people a lot is, you know, when you're looking to expand your relationship, make sure that your primary relationship is rock solid. And so it kind of leads into modern day where, my husband and I did have difficulties last year and we were separated um, a period of time living separately because we had taken the security of our primary relationship for granted. And it was very much a, well, you'll just always be there, you know, it'll be fine. And we were focusing pretty much exclusively on our secondary relationships, trying to make them as solid as our primary relationship while the primary relationship was completely eroding, under you know because of the neglect.
0: Yeah, I mean it still takes a lot of work and nurturing, right? I mean I, I feel like all relationships, friendships, whatever the case may be, like there has to be some nurturing there from time to time.
1: Absolutely, and it got to the point where, you know, he would like be, you know, he's supposed to hang out with me. He's supposed to have Thanksgiving with me, and his girlfriend would have a crisis. And so he would, you know, have to leave. And it's like, if we were in a healthy space, that wouldn't, he would have realized she's doing this on purpose. You know, she's acting out in a destructive way instead of just kind of taking for granted. Oh, well, my wife will be okay if I leave on Thanksgiving to go hang out with my girlfriend. And at the same time, I was in a relationship with a very abusive man who wouldn't let me go home. And yeah, would in fact, hold me captive at his house. But I, you know, I'm a good actor. I was able to (laughs) lie and I am not known for lying. So my husband just kind of took me at my word. Yeah. And, and what I said was happening. And he, you know, was dealing with his girlfriend's problems and really didn't have time to deal, you know, with what I had going on. And, You know, so it was a really, really unhealthy and destructive period of time that would have been solved if we would have been closer in our primary relationship instead of basically being roommates who had two separate relationships.
0: Yeah. So you were able to come back together with him, though. Uh...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it took it did take him leaving me and living alone and being with this other woman to realize, oh, actually, Ariel's not so bad. Uh, I I really wasn't so bad but you know I understand like the fallout of me escaping my abusive relationship was traumatic for everyone not just me yeah
0: it was a lot
1: to deal with and at the time she seemed like you know the less stressful option but then he quickly realized that was not true she she was pretty stressful as well yeah we were able to get back together and it's been so beautiful and healthy since because we put in the effort and I was I was literally just telling yeah. him this this morning I was like thank you for showing me that you love me every single day like he really goes out of his way it's like we're dating still and that's the yeah. way it always should have been it you know yeah. We have date nights now. We had stopped doing date nights unless it was with other people, and yeah. just giving each other gifts that aren't just something you know we bought for the house. You know, like right, uh, and really taking care of each other and spoiling each other, and then making sure that the other person knows, like, I appreciate this so much, and not taking it for granted. Like, well, of course you're gonna take care of me when I'm sick. Of course you're gonna do this. Like, thank you so much. You know, it really goes a long way.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds to me like you literally just mentioned just about every single love language. It sounds like you're working the love languages.
1: I, I mean, rep, and you kind, you, of, you kind of have to in a way. Yeah, like, just oh no, be- you
0: have to. <laughs> just because you know, my
1: love language is one thing does not mean that you know I'm gonna reject everything else. Totally. I, I wanna all, and I wanna give it all because he deserves to have every single bit of that love and be saturated mm-hmm. in it, you know?
0: yes and then when you give it out because you know your partner deserves it it's just like it returns to you you know tenfold and it feels so amazing and i feel like my little soapbox here but i feel like everyone the five love languages is such a powerful tool it's such an incredible book um there's an unfortunate religious tone to it time to time that pops in uh and but you know i feel that the tool itself is so powerful and strong that it's very easy to let go of the little religious stuff that he throws in there sometimes and just focus on you know the meaning of those languages and how you can use them as a tool to connect with your partner and to have a stronger relationship i think it's just so so powerful. Yeah. Just hearing how you talked about it. And it's like, it just came out. Like you weren't even talking about the love languages, but just the way that you're talking about, it's like, you know, um, appreciating your relationship with your partner. It was all those things. And I just, oh, I find it so like meaningful and beautiful and a way to like really connect. It's also just so
1: ironic that you're talking about like the religious undertones of things. And because I am an ordained reverend and I am, what do they call it? <laughs> an XXSGN you know like a Christian but with the triple x like even though you know I do differentiate that Christianity was the religion that I was raised in that's my social religion it's not necessarily my personal spirituality I'm much more unitarian but that's what I went to school for I went to school for philosophy and religious studies and I'm a religious porn star which people think is bizarre but one of the main tenets that I tell people is you know, you can take these things that are religious and just break them down to their core values and use those core lessons because that's what's important. The dogma that's stacked on top of it, that's less important. But you look at the universal truth, the thing that's the things that span every religion and, you know, focus on what every religion from the beginning of time has thought was important. Just focus on that. And that's really what's important. And you can use Whatever dogma you want, if that's a way that helps you, you know, facilitate these lessons. But I also don't think that there's anything wrong with picking and choosing, you know, oh. taking a little something from Judaism and taking a little something from Hinduism, you know, whatever mm-hmm. feels right to your soul and helps you process these messages. That's what's important, far more important than being militant in any religion you know any religious practice yeah that's when it becomes dangerous it doesn't matter what religion you are that's when it becomes annoying even if you're an atheist if
0: you're a militant atheist it's so annoying yes so yeah
1: everything in moderation and just use what's useful everything else let it go
0: a hundred percent like i i agree with you so much but uh i was just a little surprised like i knew that you kind of went by the reverend but i wasn't I guess I thought it was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing. so Everybody does. Your... Everybody does. Like, everyone's like, they think it's ironic. But then I like point
1: out like I'm covered in like all religious tattoos. And I'm like, I don't take irony that seriously that I would like <laughs> myself out like just for like the laughs. laughs. Like, no, I I am religious, but I'm not like strictly... Christian. You're not
0: dogmatic. I'm not You're religious, dogmatic. but not dogmatic.
1: My my tattoos are all Catholic. I've never been a Catholic. They just have the good art. <laughs> like Protestants don't have any good art stuff.
0: <laughs> so, but now I'm just curious because I also am like deeply interested in um, philosophy and religion. When you say that, well, the way you described it, it sounds like well, you said Unitarian. Yes. Um. So you feel as like a non-denominational, right? But like Christian God, like Bible God or
1: the church that I was raised in primarily,
0: I had been to like a few over my
1: life, but the one that I mainly went to was a non-denominational Christian church. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't put like too much of a spin on things. They were just like, this is what it says. And it was, it's known as a like, come as you are church. So, you know, I could Wear, you know, my baggy black goth outfits, and it wasn't weird, you know. And there were people yeah. at the church with, you know, blue mohawks, and the pastor wore jeans and flip flops, and it was very chill. And so, I think because I had such a laid back religious upbringing, that's part of why I don't have necessarily the same religious trauma that most people do. In regards yeah. to the church, I do have religious trauma, but that's. <laughs> That's just from my family, so, right. <laughs> so yeah. that's not from the church. I had a good church experience. So it wasn't something that like, I felt the need to like necessarily reject when I became an adult, but from being in school and learning different perspectives, um, cause my focus was comparative religion, comparative philosophy, comparative mythology, and yeah. you know, it broke it down in a way that I could see it as oh, all of these religions are telling the exact same stories. It's mm-hmm. the exact same myth. They're just telling in a yep. different way. And so if it's the same, then I really have no standing. And no one has the standing to be like, oh, they're all the same, but this one's the most right. You know, <laughs> like it just didn't make any sense to me. So I yeah. think that as far as the ancient religions go, they all have their validity. I can't speak yeah. much for the like New Age cults, but... Ancient religions, I feel that they all have some sort of validity. And so I take, you know, bits, you know, I whatever wisdom they have for me, right? that, you know, like relates to me and feels good to me, then, you know, I can take those teachings,
0: but I don't wanna
1: just like slap my label on like, but this one's the right one. Because yeah. I, because I'm a philosophy major and I know that I don't know. <laughs> I, exactly. I know that I don't know anything. And if there is this all knowing on being, then I don't have the hubris to even guess what they might be thinking or, you know, feeling about any certain thing. So I just do what yeah. feels right and what feels like a universal truth, you know, because yeah. maybe that, that's a truth that was divinely, put into all beings and it's part of our genes, you know, to, to all think the same thing. If that's true, then that's amazing. And that's important. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. why I studied it. And yeah. uh, yeah, So my view is a, a lot more broad than a lot of people think, but that's part of why it's so important for me to put out in the forefront that I'm a religious porn star because I'm exactly the thing that people think can't exist. And right. I love being a thing that people think can't exist. You know? <laughs> I love being that mythical cryptid of a, of a yes. human being. Um, and I also, you know, I've done a podcast before where I talk about the fact that I in fact think what I do is more religious mm-hmm. because I am, I, I spend my life loving people showing people love providing people love who might not normally get it because yes a lot of people don't like to think about this but handicapped people jerk off disabled people jerk off yeah and you know they might not have access to you know people say why don't you get a girlfriend well maybe they can't that doesn't mean that they should never feel intimacy it doesn't mean that they don't have sexuality And so that was something that I had actually, I learned about my my mom had told me stories about things, which I know she didn't think that I would contextualize them this way, but she (laughs) would tell me about like nurses in other countries who would like jerk off patients who were, you know, who couldn't do it themselves, but it was a part of their like service because they knew that they needed to ejaculate, you know, to be healthy, to have healthy prostates and stuff. Or um, she knew this prostitute that would come in a store that she worked at and she would cater. They had a a home for the disabled and she would cater to the home because, you know, most people, I guess, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't do it or wouldn't think so. But she knew they need those people need those things. And I remember being a kid and being like, that is so noble that is so nice yeah. that it, you know that is wonderful that you are providing this thing that other people wouldn't even think of
0: so or they'd think of it and immediately dismiss it because along with uh you know in this country, our puritanical view of all things sexual. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we also infantilize disabled people. We Absolutely. look at them and it's like, oh, well, you're basically a child. So, but Absolutely. then they have a, they often have a fully adult developed mind and body and have, you know, needs and deserve to have those needs met like anyone else. Yeah, there's a, there's a disabled sex advocate on Twitter. Uh, he goes by Andrew Gerza. Um, And he actually even designed a sex toy that can be used by people who uh, are lacking in ability to even like use their hands a certain way or move their body in a certain way. So definitely um, look up Andrew Gerza on Twitter for more information about that sort of thing. And then um, another thing that really opened my eyes to this, I saw this movie probably 20 years ago is called The Sessions with Helen Hunt, and um, the male actor, gosh, he's famous too, I can't think of his name, I'm an asshole, but um, it's a beautiful story about someone who is a sexual surrogate, which is something that is obviously illegal in this country, but it's thankfully still work that's being done, Um, and that is, you know, so it's the story of this guy who's basically he's bed bound like he can't move any of his body i think he can move his head maybe a little bit and that's completely it and so he just gets left lying in a room by himself all freaking day and so he he hires helen hunt and she's the woman she comes in and it's not about it's just it's different from just hiring a sex worker to come and fuck you right it's done in a totally different way with a totally different mindset it's not just done one time it's like they get to know each other Um, it's like exploring together what is possible for the disabled person. And it's just such a beautiful story. Like it had me in tears and I was like, this is important work that people need. Like they need their humanity validated in this way. And just because it's sexual does not mean that it's not important.
1: Absolutely. Um, absolutely.
0: And
1: I, I do feel like that's important like you said to have that experience of just seeing what it could be like i think that that's important for a lot of people even like going back to what i was talking about with polyamory i had no idea what that would even look like and it really took just kind of like a random experience where this girl came and stayed at my house and then she just like fit like she had always been there and she didn't she didn't stay for very long but it was just a moment of like, oh, this is how that could work. It just functioned really smoothly, really well. You know, like I was like, oh, the kindergarten yeah. taking turns, you know, has finally paid off, And <laughs> you know, it, it, yes. you sometimes you just do need those e- e- examples. And like I I have clients who are severely autistic. They've never had a relationship. And so even just having me to practice talking to a girl is super crucial, super important for them. And I'm a very blunt person. So being able to tell them directly, okay, don't don't do that, you know, or don't say stuff like that or like it doesn't work that way. They need that. Because yeah. typically, neurotypical typical people will not tell you things straight up, I know. and I it's know. so confusing. And so, you know, to be able to be like, you know, yes, no, yes, no, it, it's really right. helpful for people.
0: So, is that something you? I, I want to shift a little bit towards your uh, dominatrix career. Is that uh, something you encounter a, a lot? Um, maybe neurodivergent people. And you work with them in the dominatrix setting? Not too much, but I also don't okay. dom much anymore. I, so I was a dominatrix
1: okay. for years and years. And then I had a very weird midlife crisis thing. <laughs> and I decided to switch my personality entirely. And okay. then I became this like submissive bimbo,
0: <laughs> which is ah, like, oh, mm-hmm.
1: the exact opposite of like the big butch dominatrix that i was so then i had to learn to be submissive and now i'm just more of a switch (laughs) i just kind of do whatever but i don't session much too any too much anymore because bdsm is illegal in las vegas what (laughs) yeah it is considered domestic violence even if it's consensual even if i say you know like punch me daddy which i have said before uh they they consider it domestic violence you can get arrested so there are no like real kink clubs oh here there're barely any kink events there aren't like a lot of dungeon spaces here it's
0: yeah really well, really I crazy. hope I hope the authorities uh, are aware that it's happening anyway It's definitely happening anyway my dick. <laughs> It's
1: definitely <laughs> happening anyway
0: I'm like fuck you. you you tell me what to do in the fucking bedroom I know <laughs> so it's so weird. It's so aggravating. There was a great uh, fetish
1: convention here that I used to teach classes at with Danorama from kink.com who used to run Kink University. And it was like the Mormons got like the entire convention shut down (laughs) because of purity laws, obscenity laws, which they're now, you know, of course, trying to beef up uh, in regards to the industry. That news just came out recently. So it's just it's so stressful
0: yeah yeah it really is uh but again we the main thing to keep in mind is that uh you know they've been fighting against us for thousands of years and yet we remain so so true amen we're always gonna we'll always have a way we will always find a way <laughs> have you always been based here in vegas no i'm from cincinnati ohio <laughs> oh cincinnati okay I'm an cool. Ohioan. So when you were doing dominatrix sessions, you were, uh, more like in your 20s. Yeah, I was in my
1: 20s. I had, uh, started working for like a fetish performance troupe that was run by dominatrix and, uh, she trained me, uh, and I worked in her local dungeon. Uh, don't recommend by the way. (laughs) Really? She is mean. (laughs) <laughs> and okay. not not okay. In the fun, she's not in the fun way mean she's just really yeah, mean.
0: yeah.
1: and uh but i was the cisfication specialist ah. so my main job was dressing men up like women and uh teaching them to be good little maids and to be in service yeah. of women which was yeah. really really fun and then really ironic for me because i essentially did the same thing to myself i was very like i said i was butch i Actually identified as a trans man at
0: the time. Oh, wow. I didn't know that about you. Yeah.
1: So when I would dress up, it would be like I was dressing up in drag, which I thought was hot. I yeah. loved it. I loved it when girls dressed me up and put makeup on me. I thought it was really sexy. So you yeah. know, I as with most of my kinks, I can enjoy it from the top and from the bottom, which makes me an nice. excellent switch. So yeah. I, I was very deep into that psychology, which made me a great Dom because I knew what a what about the act turn them on because it turned me on. And so when I became a bimbo, I essentially just force femmed myself and kind of stuck with that ever since.
0: So do you identify as a bimbo now?
1: I do. I'm well now I think <laughs> I I think I'm supposed to identify as an elder bimbo because I've been at it for <laughs> so long. And now you know like the whole new generation of, of these Gen Z bimbos it's so different than you know bimbofication was back in my day i used yeah i tell people because i had a an acrylic nail fetish and i used to have mm. to go on like really seedy forums to see pictures of girls with long nails and now everybody's not <laughs> every- everybody's got longer nails it's like the most boring basic thing you can think of yeah that
0: back in my day that was like
1: super <laughs> rare nobody did th- people used to make fun of me they called me the dragon lady because i had these long nails like it was oh, wow. so not a thing and bimbofication nobody knew what bimbofication was it was such yeah. a weird rare fetish like even on you know like sites like fetlife where you know right. everybody's kinky nobody had heard of yeah. bimbofication
0: and so oh my it, gosh
1: I'm i've been having this weird experience like it's like every few years where it's like one of my deep niche interests or fetishes become mainstream and I'm like, ugh, what? You know, like everybody <laughs> like, like Kate Bush, everybody knows mm-hmm. Kate Bush now. And for years that was like my, you know, like if you're getting stoned with your friends and you're watching weird videos, I'd be like, all right, check this one out because no one had heard of Kate Bush. Yeah, and now totally. Everybody my weird niche now my weird niche interest is out there, and that's the way it was with bimbofication. Now there's a whole music genre based around my weird niche interest. It's so like yeah. it's like it's so bizarre. I never saw that coming. But uh-huh. it, I also love it because it makes it easier for me now. I don't have to hunt so hard to find bimbo you know, items, bimbo clothes, yeah. bimbo yeah. information, fellow bimbos. I've turned all oh, my yeah. friends into bimbos. You'll, if anyone has noticed the uptick in bimbo activity in Las Vegas, you're welcome. That's all <laughs> me, baby. That's all me. The, the reverend has been preaching the gospel of the bimbo since 2014. We are, getting, yeah. we are getting it out there. We are making it work, which I appreciate all the people who have been doing the work, people like me who were doing the podcast and the videos yes. and stuff, getting the word out there because we wanted it to be destigmatized because yeah. As, as weird as it is, like men hate you know women who are too masculine, but also hate women who are too feminine. And
0: it, yeah, men men hate women.
1: Yeah, men hate women. <laughs> That's the gospel truth right there. And it was nice to have some of that destigmatized and to not be in such constant danger for presenting feminine and presenting sexy because I like to be sexy. And honestly, I wish more men would himbify themselves. So I, that's what I'm doing. But that's my next job is I'm preaching the gospel of the himbo. I need more yes. men in crop tops. I need the gray sweatpants. I want you to be slutty, speedo. <laughs> I want to see the dick print. I want to look, yeah. you guys do not realize that women actually, you know, do want to look at something sexy. We want to see, you know, we have eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see something sexy, we like, you know looking at hot stuff so yeah that's, that's
0: my that's my mission in life right now that's my new Hell yeah i love that i love i love the gray sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
1: gray sweatpants season. something about
0: so, something about gray sweatpants like no other color really does it but the gray sweatpants it's oh. just just highlights nice. highlights the bold and basketball yeah.
1: sports Oh, basketball shorts. Oh, man,
0: I can't go to the gym. See, this is why it was a problem in my life. I can't go to the gym. It's too sexy. <laughs> it's, it's too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also you mentioned that here in Vegas, you work for a company that goes out and does um, bachelor parties and stuff like that. So it sounds like your career has always been a little bit of a mix of uh, performance based on camera type stuff and also in person type stuff. So it is uh, working for this, um, doing the bachelor parties and stuff like that, is that a big shift for you? Does it feel natural? Like how is it different from what you're used to? How is it the same?
1: I definitely think it's natural for me, You know, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, it's like an actor doing film, but also doing stage.
0: And yes.
1: I had done live fetish performance for many, many years. I had done burlesque for many years. And um, so being able to perform for a crowd really wasn't outside of my wheelhouse. So I I really do enjoy getting to perform for an audience and getting to entertain. But my style, you know, is, and it's always been this way my style is much less, I'm very serious. You know, I've got serious eyebrows drawn on, serious (laughs) domination eyebrows. You know, I like to have fun. I like to make people laugh. I like to tell jokes. So even when I'm doing burlesque and even when I'm doing shows, and even when I'm dancing, I try to add humor in there. Like, you know, the vaudeville performers of old. I try to add, you know, some fun in there. Um, But I'm also, I'm like a clown i'm a clown fetishist and a clown performer I can oh make, yes i can make balloon animals and everything so it's also what? part of that where it's like i'm a natural clown i want to be funny when i perform and i mean i can do the serious sexy stuff if it calls for it but sure. it's more fun for me to be silly and that's why even in like my porn videos i will say things that are really bizarre like uh it, i remember in my gangbang i did for kink.com there's a moment where I say, you know, like this is just like being in a porno, you know, like kind of doing like a <laughs> wall break. Just because I, you know, I, like be, I like to be, yeah. Skinny, but I love doing the bachelor parties because I'm, I'm not a competitive person. I would never make it in a strip club; they would eat me alive. So I love uh-huh. being able to be like, okay, we're working together as a team to take everyone's money together, you know, and and it's it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more chill. I get to just hang out with people because sometimes they just want to hang out with hot chicks. I love that. You know, sometimes we get to play games. I did, I did an event recently where I got to oil wrestle, which is something that I did like way early in my career. I did a lot of wrestling. Mm -hmm. I was on a bikini wrestling team and it, you know, it was a, it was so much fun and I just like having fun. I always want to be having fun.
0: I mean, what else, what else are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it's actually a Prince
1: quote. Uh, he says, I do nothing professionally. I only do things for fun. And that, also, that stuck with me where I was like, yeah. Cause I will tell people like, I do not do porn. I never did porn for the money because it does
0: not pay that well. <laughs> so yeah, I started with stripping and I remember people would always be like, oh, you strip because it's it's easy money. It's easy money. It's easy money. And me and my friends would always be like, it's not easy money. It's, it's fast money. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy. Like hu- going out there, walking around, hustling, like trying to find different ways to get these people to part with their money.
1: <laughs> like, Absolutely. It's really- that was
0: challenging.
1: And sometimes you're in clubs where there are like 50 different chicks, you know, or like 80 chicks walking around like the big clubs. They have so many girls and you are competing with every single one.
0: And some clubs and some clubs, you're also competing with alcohol, pool tables, sports on TV. Like that's why uh when I was stripping I actually preferred the nude clubs in California because you weren't competing with any of that shit. Like all they had was soda and naked women. So take your pick. Like what are you You know, you came in here for a reason. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the, no excuses. You know why you're here.
0: Mhm. Yeah, what, what else are you doing here? Like, come on, let's do this. <laughs> so, the, but the money was fast, um, but, you know, it was work. It, it's definitely work. And um, it's and still something just... you
1: have to put money into to make money
0: from. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's just, the, gosh, that's most of this industry, it feels like. Um, Especially right now. now. It, I was just gonna say, yeah, right now, like we're dealing with a whole thing with testing and it looks like testing has all already been a whole thing. So I can't remember how long ago it was, but it used to be that you took a test, Gosh, I remember my first test ever was seventy five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. But and it lasted a month, and it and it lasted a month until, gosh, I don't know, maybe eight, ten years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it was a little more. But then it was like, okay, now it's only two weeks. Okay, so it's a hundred. It was one hundred and ten dollars. Then it went up again. So then it was one hundred and fifty five dollars, uh, and it lasts only fourteen days. And then it's like well, now there's COVID and you have to add that too. And then that, okay, so now it's like almost $200. And now we don't have to do the COVID anymore, but they are wanting to add swabs. And those are like an extra $60 for each one. And yeah, and they don't know if there's
1: still, they do still like require the COVID. And so it can be, Mm I mean, and, and then if you live out of town, because we we can only get tested at certain labs, so that's an extra fee to even like get your lab test sent into the database, and so mm-hmm. it ends up being like thousands of dollars a month to get, to be able to work, and yeah, it's not with, with other people because people are getting paid less because the studios are making less money because of all the pirating the tube sites, which has been a problem for a long, long time. And the whole phenomenon of
0: people getting paid from tube sites, that is new. That did not happen for a long time. And even still, like, it's not a substantial amount. Like, we make a little bit of money every view that is on a video that's ours. Like pennies. But it's, yeah, it's like a fraction of a penny. And not only that, I think people will, like, see me in a video and be be like, well I'm watching this free on Pornhub, but you're in it, so you're you're getting money somehow.
1: But no, they, that's yeah. somebody think, else's video. They think that there are royalties, there are not. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it, it no. the one time and it doesn't matter if your video gets a bazillion views, you get nothing unless mm-hmm. you have uploaded it yourself and you've like signed yeah. up to be monetized and
0: you have to own script. the content.
1: But I wanna tell yeah. I wanna tell my favorite Sin Sage story. Because you got me me thinking about it because you were talking about, like, people seeing you somewhere. So one time (laughs) I was, like, dating this guy. And we'd gone to his friend's house. And we were, like, drinking tequila shots. We've been drinking for hours. And they liked to make these, like, cutout collages out of porn magazines. And so I had been drinking, like, all day. We're doing this craft. I can barely hold scissors. And I open a magazine, and I see a picture of you in it. And I start bawling and I am like, That's my friend. I miss her because I like just moved from Atlanta recently. And I was like, I never see her anymore. I miss her so much. And then I like called you and I was like, I like from the bathroom, I call sent up, but I'm like, I missed you. I found a picture of you and Magnus, and you're so beautiful. I love you. Ah! it was so funny it was i was like after, the next day i was just like oh my god but it, be- it became one of my like very favorite since stories because i did miss you so much
0: oh yeah that was when you had just moved uh to vegas from yeah atlanta? from atlanta
1: because okay. i used to see you like yeah. all the time and then oh, I, no. I didn't see you anymore and then i saw this book for it and then, of course, you moved to Vegas, but it's during COVID,
0: so I haven't seen you anywhere. I know. I know. It was ridiculous. Like, we got here, and I was like, sweet, we're working all the time, and then it was just like, COVID. It's yeah. like, ah, God, what am I doing with my life? But, no, Vegas is such a great place. In general, I would say, I thought... We both thought we were gonna hate living here we pretty much just did it to like save some money up and we knew industry was here oh my gosh i really fell in love with it i just think it's so beautiful i love that there's always something to do if you want to do something you can find something to and do something
1: weird to do it's not just something yes to do. it's like the weirdest you ever heard of. yes and it's awesome. yeah like it's like so fun.
0: fun unique weird interesting things going on here all the time and that's like not not talking about the strip at all. Like fuck the strip. Like there's just so much much other cool stuff.
1: (laughs) I never, but no, I'm the same as you. I, I was skeptical. I didn't really know much about Vegas. My husband had literally never even been here before he moved and we came out and we love it. Like we feel so spoiled living here. I, I I go anywhere else and I'm like, what? Everything's closed. You mean I can't get anything I want after 10 PM? Like, what do you mean? And it's just it is amazing there's so much to do there's so much going on and just the ease of being able to do things and to get around you know ride is pretty good here i just and it's beautiful and it's beautiful like nature
0: wise like we're surrounded by these gorgeous mountain ranges and the sunsets are incredible and there's hikes
1: Yeah, when I came to visit, I couldn't believe that no one had ever told me that there were beautiful mountains everywhere. I showed up, I was like, what is that? Oh, yeah, me and my husband go to the mountains all the time. It's my favorite place. If I won the lottery, Mm -hmm. I'd be building a house right up there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know, and I say all this uh, as I am literally in the process of buying a house in Illinois, so... Uh, moving to a place where everything is definitely closed at probably nine or ten and cold. But,
1: That's the worst part. Is yeah. like even though I'm from Ohio, I'm acclimated to the warm now, and I can't. I yeah. can't go back. That's what I tell my husband. I can't go back. I can't. Can't go I'm, back. I'm a lizard person now. I can't do it. Uh,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, no. The other aspect about moving to Vegas that I wasn't too thrilled about initially was the fact that. It's very, very close to where I've grew up and spent mm-hmm. my entire life. So, like, I have grown up and spent my entire life just about like in the the desert of Southern California, and uh. you know, past four years in Las Vegas. So, you know, I've traveled a lot and visited lots of other parts of the country and stuff. But like, as far as a primary residence, it's always been the desert or the beach in San Diego. But that's like so far out of reach now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see it a little differently as more of something that I'm um, excited about, like a change that I'm excited for. And I don't mind snow, but that being said, like the, you know, it's like the summers that I'm really excited to be uh, in the place where I'm moving. There's like a big river and there's so many parks and lakes and things like that. So, and I know that those are areas that, although we have traveled there in our van, like we haven't done a ton of exploration, And i know that there are so many beautiful like state parks and lakes and gorgeous places to camp and explore and i'm just kind of like looking forward to all that stuff
1: i'm definitely the
0: exact opposite of you i think it's because i grew up in the midwest i'm like ew the midwest yeah yeah and you grew
1: up in the desert so you're like ew the desert so yeah Yeah. we got the exact (laughs) opposite
0: there but i think the ultimate thing too that you know growing up i was just like i can't fucking wait to get out of this goddamn desert you know But, you know, I'm older now and I just I look at lots of things differently and I and I'm really just like, you know, every climate has its beauty and, you know, it can be appreciated. Um, I was starting to feel a little nervous for a minute about sort of leaving behind everything I've ever known. And I told someone where I was moving and they said like, oh, it's so beautiful there in the winter. I loved it. I lived there for four years. It was so gorgeous. And I was like. I was like, I needed to hear that right now yeah. so badly, like because I think a, a lot. You know, another friend was just like, "Oh, why are you doing that?" Like it's just cold and snowy up. there. Your priorities just like, change, yeah. but
1: it's also it's an yeah. adventure, and I yes. do miss snow. That's why I go hang out in the mountains so often because they. I mean, an hour yeah. away from Vegas, you've got snow, and I need it. Yep. I need to go touch it and look at it, or else I feel weird. because that's what i'm used to so i can't not know because i actually do really love it i
0: really do it really is pretty too when everything's covered and it's all sparkly and it's nice i'm not looking forward to having like dig out or use the snowblower or whatever but you know we'll figure it all out and then the other thing too is that like i think you know we just plan on kind of getting in our van and coming back here in the winters and shooting with all our friends and you know just staying out in vegas and arizona and california for a few months and
1: no matter what going back
0: it's all an adventure and that's really the point
1: of life is having these adventures i'm like you i've traveled all over and i've lived all over and i loved that i love vegas but I love, I don't think I would have loved it if I didn't experience being other places and being in other climates that were different than yeah. where I grew up. I think that that's yeah. the, the advice I give everyone is leave your hometown, leave yes. and experience another place. Cause you can always go back, but like you should get out and appreciate other places or experience other places because it might make you appreciate where you're from more.
0: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's so important too. Well, freaking awesome! So oh great conversation. I would love to even like have you back on again sometime.
1: Oh, anytime
0: um, and anything, like <laughs> here, baby. Yes. All right, but for now, let's answer a couple of questions. Ooh, I'm excited. I love All giving right.
1: sage advice.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. Me too. That's why I wanted to stage do this. Wisdom. Yes. <laughs> All right, so. Here is a great first question. Well, I'll include this one just for the sake of my ego, this first part. Hey, Sin, I'm a major fan of your work. I ordered a custom video from you and it was awesome. Yay! little plug there. (laughs) Uh, Looking forward to listening to your podcast. My question for your podcast is about relationships. What are ways to help your partner climax if your penis is smaller than average? what are ways you can bring this up with your partner if it's going to be your first time being intimate together?
1: Interesting. Well, I usually tell guys not to really worry about it too much because just like, you know, some guys think that they're big and they're not, some guys think that they're small and they're actually pretty average. It's just that they compare their dicks to people in porn who need bigger dicks for camera reasons. And so, like, a lot of time your equipment's gonna work just fine. A lot of the time, she's not even gonna orgasm from penetration anyway. Anyway. An example (laughs) of that.
0: I'd say most of the time. Yeah. You know,
1: so if you're, you know, get good at your head game, don't be intimidated by using toys in the bedroom. And I always suggest for guys who are in like a longer term relationship, if there's a if there's something you want to try, you want to be bigger. She wants to try out a bigger cock. They have cock sheaths that you can yep. buy and put over your dick, and it'll make it longer or thicker. And so it's kind of a, a fun experience to get mm-hmm. fucked with this crazy dick. And then for you, it kind of feels like a pocket pussy. So even though you're right. wearing something, it still feels good, and you know it can increase your size if that's what you're partner is super into but i would say just like make toys your friends toys are your allies don't be afraid of toys and don't be intimidated because sometimes it's just hard for girls to get off you don't know if it's medication or trauma you know it's not always about dick size it's very rarely about your (sighs) dick
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i I think that's a big thing to keep in mind for uh, all dick havers really it's like you know what makes a vagina have or come is, is uh, it could be, it's just a wide range of things. And sometimes like, it's just a level of intimacy and comfort. So you just ha- like, they're never going to come until you really get to know them. And you're in a relationship for some time Absolutely. and you're doing the same things. Like that's the only way that sometimes, you know, we just so much in our heads and it's really hard sometimes to come out of that space, uh, yeah, to what I allow, like to, say, to sink it to the body.
1: What I like to say is, having a base level of safety it's right. important in relationships and it's also important when you want to come I can't yeah. get into it unless I have a base level of safety that's why even yeah. when I was a submissive I only liked daddy doms because I needed that nurturing aspect so I could feel safe enough to submit in the first right. place If people don't have that base level of safety then yeah it can be hard to let go enough to orgasm because you can anxious yourself out of
0: coming oh my gosh so much but yeah i'd say you know definitely like i would say before you even introduce your penis into the scenario see if you can't start things off by you know of course all the foreplay making out touching and then go down on the woman and try different techniques. Um, I think a good place to start on the clit, which, you know, hopefully you can use the internet and hopefully you know where it is at this point. Um, But I like to kind of like make out with it. I feel like that's a really good place to start. And then then you can kind of like read her body, feel like uh, what she needs uh, and then, um, one, start with maybe like one finger, make sure it's wet, make sure the pussy's like really lubed, um, slide it in gently. I would say, you know, you might have seen some tips that are that tell you to like make a come hither movement. Um, and pull up, but that is something that works for some people and for other people, like, oh my gosh, like, all that's going to do for me is make me have to pee real bad and yeah. it's, like, it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. So kind of, so I would say, like, don't do that right away. Just like slide in slowly. See if she wants another finger. Wash um, and your then, hands. Yeah, please wash your hands and trim your nails. Like for fuck's sake, like cut your fingernails and your goddamn toenails, men. Like don't just, take care of your feet for fuck's sake but um (laughs) (laughs) sidetrack but yeah and then again this is the place where like toys would be so amazing like if i was first with a guy and he pulls out a freaking toy i would be like you just like leveled up like you know what i mean because it
1: it shows that he number one like cares about technique cares about what he's doing so i'm i'm gonna assume that he's better at sex because it looks like he put some thought and some time into it and exactly has some understanding of my anatomy, I would be so impressed if a guy
0: pulled out a toy. Yeah, so even it could just be like a basic vibrator that you twist on, but it's just that very basic uh, phallic shape. Um, Doing that, like having vibration while someone's eating my pussy, like vibrating inside, oral outside, like, oh my gosh, what an amazing combination. Absolutely. And even if an orgasm doesn't happen, you know, that is okay, too. But I think it's just the the fact that you are putting in the effort that you are indicating to your partner that her orgasm is important to you, at least in the sense of like, you would like um, to work with her towards getting it, but no pressure. Um, And so I I think that those are always then, you know, once if you're able to give her an orgasm or like... At least give her a lot of pleasure then i think by the time your penis comes out it's just kind of like cool okay oh i see it's a little smaller than average but i don't really care because you're making me feel good and yeah. and like most women are not size queens i think right. that's another thing another myth that you know porn has unfortunately perpetuated um that all women want giant cocks and we just want to be pounded relentlessly like that's not the case. No, <laughs> That's just not at all. So not the case. And I think there are particular positions that work really well for smaller than average cocks too. Uh, I feel like doggy's pretty good. I feel like edge of the bed where you're standing, um, and she's on her back. Like you can almost like squat with your knees a little bit, and then you're boner is like pointing upwards more and you can feel it in the right places even if it's not going like all the way to bottoming out or whatever it's just like it could still feel pleasurable so I think those are all things you can do to increase both of y'all's pleasure but I think that the main thing is that it's like Ariel was saying before the main thing is getting it out of your head that like you have, a, you know, that this is an issue, um, and this goes to the second part of your question as well. Like bringing it up with your partner, I, I don't, I don't think you need to bring it up. Um, now, if you have the medical condition that is micro penis, that mm-hmm. might be something you want to bring up because that is because that is a little bit, that's something different, you know, and And then you- It
1: might be shocking for some people to to see out of nowhere, just like seeing a major schlong is a shock. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think if if it's something to that extreme, then, you know, giving them the heads up, you know, could save both of you some embarrassment of that surprise because a lot of people can't control what their face does when they're shocked And it might seem a lot worse than their actual feelings are.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I think that a hundred percent. So yeah, I think hopefully that was some good advice (laughs) and thank you so much for the question, uh, M yeah. Okay. So this question, (laughs) if you had anal for your first time, are you still considered a virgin?
1: uh what was it in the eyes of the church you are right <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i wouldn't consider someone a virgin because that would mean that you know gay men are all virgins you know people right who only have anal sex are virgin like no that doesn't make any sense you know no uh, your hymen's not getting broken but not everybody has a hymen so exactly
0: yeah
1: i think if if your dick is going in there you're probably still or you're probably not a a virgin
0: yeah but i mean this the reason why this is a great question is because it just brings up the topic of virginity in general um i i believe that virginity was a concept that was thought up by the patriarchy um (laughs) and that's like globe on a global scale uh and it goes back to you know like the beginning of time it was meant to be some kind of a purity measure for, to, to basically oppress women. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we have these sort of bizarre, rigid views about what a Virgin is, what it means when someone is no longer one of those things, they're just, uh, they're just really harmful and they yes. just, um, you know, that there's just no, no reason for it. Uh, so you know, we know what we know about hymens is like sometimes they're fully there. Sometimes they're not there at all. So, you know, some women just don't have them. I, I always question if I ever had one because the first time I had sex, like it didn't really hurt and there wasn't really any blood. And I'm fairly convinced that I bought my own, just like I said, shoving
1: stuff in myself, experimenting when I was younger. So yeah you know if i would have I, been checked by the tribal elders then you exactly. know then it would look like i wasn't a virgin even though
0: i'd never had sex right and then i think too like so if someone never has sex so if a woman never has sex with a man and she only has sex with other women is uh, and she doesn't do strap on or whatever then is she a virgin her entire life like like no absolutely not. i don't think so <laughs> um i think that like You know when you suck someone's dick when you go down on a pussy like you are no longer a virgin if you do those things like you are having sex yeah you are having sex um i don't know like even if you're kind of getting fingered there's things being inserted into your body uh i just think that you know the definition of virginity anymore it's it's so nebulous that like it doesn't really matter it doesn't you know?
1: apply.
0: <laughs> it doesn't really apply yeah.
1: like it, like it used to. I, I yeah. definitely agree. It's antiquated and it's just yes. full of shame. It's full of exactly so much unnecessary shame. There it's is, a
0: tool for shame. It's a tool I, to shame lost, people with.
1: When I lost my virginity, I was very ashamed and I was very upset. And, but that shame was not mine, you know, that was yeah. shame that was put on to me and my life yep. would have been better if I didn't have that shame. Yeah. I, exactly. was with a, I was with a guy that I, in my naivete, thought I was going to marry and be with it, you know, so I didn't think it was a big deal because we were going to be married anyway. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And then once I lost my virginity, you know, I was upset, but then I was also like, oh this isn't like really a big deal and like yes everyone's been doing this for you know like since they were much younger than even me and oh. no one's even a virgin anymore anyway and like why am i ashamed because no one no one i know was a virgin anyway
0: <laughs> i mean it's just not it's it's just not a metric for anything it's just not important Um, And it goes into the same thing of, like, people asking, like, what's your body count? uh, You know what I mean? And it's just like, again, what fucking difference does it make? I mean, I would just be like, a a lot. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't really keep track. Like, I don't count the people that I've had sexual encounters with. Like, there's not a fucking marker somewhere. And And so, (laughs) yeah, and so I do, but I have always found it fascinating that there are certain uh, especially when we talk about religion and how it can be very oppressive when it comes to mm-hmm. sexuality and very shameful and guilt-inducing. And so this question about like, well, am I still a virgin if I only do it in the butt? Whenever that started to become a thing, I mean, it was a long time ago now, but it's right. like, oh, well, we can we can still be virgins if we just put it in the butt instead of the pussy and I'm like, what well, on which how What, how does you make that make sense? Like (laughs) and it always
1: blew my mind because I always considered anal to be a more advanced sexual act. So I'm like starting with like that, like, that's the one that like, you know, porn stars get paid extra for and you, you know, for your first anal, you get paid the most. So Uh it's like the fact that people are starting out doing that, like this top act blew my mind because it took me, you know, practice to figure That's out what how to do it.
0: yes it takes like you have to have some sexual experience and then some practice and you have to know like how to practice like because you don't just shove a dick up there like there's so much you have to you know can hurt somebody you can tear your insides you can have fissures there's so many like there's so many pitfalls to anal sex yes. <laughs> and just imagining that these like 15-year-old virginal Christian kids are like trying to stick it in the butt because they are human beings and right. they can't deny that, but they're trying to find some fucking loophole, the butthole loophole. Yeah, like, the loophole. No, you guys. No, it's no. <laughs> like it's just, it doesn't work that way. So to answer your question, Jay, if you have had anal sex for your first time, you are no longer a virgin, you are not a virgin, whatever that means. Even, you know, I think that ultimately the point is that the concept of virginity is antiquated, outdated, and not that important. So if you did it in the butt and you had a good time, like, please keep it up and just make sure you're being safe. Please like Google it, make sure you're doing everything safely, using lots of lube, using protection, don't just watch
1: porn, Actual, like look up actual information
0: yes because it's fucking there like it is yeah. there go get it <laughs> and you can always email me of course if you have any questions i can just steer you in the right directions too and probably ariel as well absolutely so please tell everyone where they can um find your stuff follow you get in touch
1: so my all of my social media is rev ariel R-E-V-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. I I have some backups that are Ariel Aquinas, but for the most part, everything is Rev. Ariel. If you see something that's not, it's probably a catfish because that's been my name since before I was Ariel Aquinas. I didn't get the last name until I started mainstream porn and they thought the reverend part was too intimidating. (laughs) Um, And so I I tacked on Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas is my favorite philosopher saint. So it all you know, comes back to the same nice. uh, philosophy and religious studies thing. Obviously, I'm on The Hub. I'm everywhere. You can type in Ariel Aquinas to Google. I'm on WikiFeet. Uh, and then if you would like to book me for dances, bachelor parties, hangouts, that kind of stuff in Vegas, uh, it's uh, lovebunnies.vip. Uh, and no hanky-panky. It's really just... <laughs> It's really just yeah. dancing and entertaining, atmosphere modeling, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So please don't get the 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 wrong idea. I'm not yeah. uh, saying anything you're, untoward on the podcast. And you're just
0: not. Yeah, you just don't. I am not full admitting service. to any
1: crimes. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, full support for everyone. Who of, course, does it. of course, I just don't want to uh, ruin anybody's like hopes. <laughs> uh, about that. yeah and then i do do like public appearances at the convention sometimes i'll probably be running around the AVN here coming up and if you see me out in public as long as i'm at a public event come say hi but if i'm at the grocery store just like message me later and be like by the way hey you know dogs because <laughs> you, you never you never know i might be out with my family or you know, whatever. So but if I'm at a public event, which I do fairly often come say hi, I love it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So well, thank you so much. You've been just like a wonderful guest. I'm so thank you for having me. I know we've been trying (laughs) to do
1: this for so long. I'm so glad it finally happened. And I would love to come back anytime
0: great yeah there's so much more to talk about uh i could get into it with you on philosophy i'd love to someday <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> all right well thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the sage advice podcast do not forget that if you have your own questions comments about porn, sex, relationships, uh, just the business of porn. Any questions you have at all, I would love to answer them. Please send a, an email to sin podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's sin with two n's sin sage podcast at gmail.com look forward to answering your questions on future episodes and thank you so much for spending some time with me today and i hope the rest of your day is absolutely beautiful Bye. bye